Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast, where we're committed to helping you know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. Let's get to today's message. Here, I've been in a series called Pray First, and this is week number five of it. And uh, I have really personally enjoyed this season, the season of 21 Days of Prayer, uh, and, uh, and all of its impact. I've so enjoyed the stories that you have been sharing with me about how prayer has made a difference in your life. And today, uh, I'm just going to say one thing that I'm going to keep on repeating, and that is to stick with it, guys. Stick with it. Amen, everybody? Stick with it. If you have enjoyed the impact of prayer in your life, stick with it. If you have enjoyed uh, having a closer relationship with God or having your prayers answered or just this daily encounter, this experience, if you have enjoyed this, stick with it. And my hope is, is that from this series, from this series, one thought sticks out in your mind and maybe is even attached to your wrist, and that is to pray first. That prayer must become our first response and not our last resort. That talking to God about what is going on in our lives must come on the front end and that it becomes a habit, that it becomes culture for us, that we talk to God about what is going on in our days, what's going on in our hearts, what's going on in our marriages and our relationships with our kids, what's going on at work, what's going on in our finances. Talk to God about everything and talk to him about it first. Not after we've done everything we can do. Not after we've talked to mom and dad and our best friend. And not after we've griped and complained about it on Facebook. Hello? Because by the way, all the time and the energy you use doing that, did it accomplish anything? Did it change the circumstance? No? And you don't even feel better about it. You're talking to the wrong people. Because while prayer may not change your circumstance, it will certainly change you. Yeah, that's good. So let's, let's not wait until we get to the end. Let's not wait until we get to the place where we're exhausted, where we can't do anymore, and all we can do now is pray. Dear Jesus, I don't even know why I'm doing this. I'm so, I just don't even have hope for this situation. I'm exhausted, Lord. And I'm just bringing you into this situation. If you can do anything, do it. Come on. We pray like that sometimes. It's time to pray first and to stick with it, to keep praying first. It's why we gave you the wristbands. It's why we give you the prayer guides. It's why we do 21 days of prayer. It's why we do series like this so that you can learn to have this value instilled in your heart. Prayer is the number one way that we commune with God. It is our, our, the basis of our relationship is talking with him. So we must pray first. The Pray First bands are still available for you. The Pray First guides are, are going to be available for you as well. Uh, please make sure you pick them up. Grab some for you. Grab some for your friends. Take them and let's, let's make, keep prayer a priority. Now, in this series, what we've done is we started off the series talking about the priority of prayer. Why is prayer important? And so we explored that in that first message. If you weren't here for that, listen to it. If you were here for, for that, listen to it again. And then we, the following two weeks, we talked about different prayer models, like how to pray, 
What does that look like? Because there are these models found in Scripture. And so we talked about a tabernacle prayer. And then we talked about a prayer to pray when you're in a position of pain. Uh, And that's through the prayer of Jabez. Those will both be a blessing to you. And then last week, we talked about spiritual warfare. We took a subject that is uh, tends to be a little like, oh, feels a little out of reach to most Christians because it's a little spooky. We're not really sure what it means. And, and, And we explained what spiritual warfare is in a very practical way. And hopefully... That's been a great gift to you as you continue to pray this week. And today, today we're going to wrap it up. And again, I'm just going to encourage you to stick with it because day 21 was yesterday, but today is day 22. And I feel like my hope for you is that we become 365-day Christians where we're praying, right? Where we've got 365 days of prayer that we continue to talk to God. And here's a verse that has influenced this pray first attitude in this entire series. It's from Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. It says, and pray in the spirit on all occasions. That means in every situation with all kinds of prayers. This is those different kinds of prayer models that we have in our pray first guide that we've been talking about and requests. He said, with this in mind, be alert. Why are we alert? Because remember, there's an enemy that's prowling around. We talked about this last week. There's an enemy that wants to steal, kill, and destroy everything in your life. And it's not because he cares about you. It's because God cares about you. And he wants to mess with your potential and rob you of God's best for your life. And so we need to be alert and always keep on praying. We need to keep on praying. We cannot let prayer be an event, this 21 days that it's now over and we'll just pray again whenever the next 21 days of prayer comes around in January. No, this is not a one and done and we move on. Next. No, no, let's make sure we keep on praying. Well, how do we do that? How do we do that? How do we keep this culture of prayer that we've spent the last 21 days establishing? Well, that's what I'm going to help you with today. I'm going to give you five simple things. Boy, our kids are having a good time today, aren't they? (laughs) Bless the Lord. Listen, I'm excited for the excitement level that they have back there and the fun that they are having, but I'm also excited that this week we had some construction people in here to tell us how to mitigate that sound. You know what I'm saying? And everybody said amen to that. That's a good amen, right? Yeah. But we're thankful that they're having a good time back there. They're being loved for and cared for and having a blast. And if your kids aren't back there, I would just encourage you, get them back there. They're going to have a good time. They're going to have a good time. Anyway, all right. Wasn't in my notes, but I just hear it all. So, and I know you're hearing it too. But we can celebrate that fun. So five simple things that I'm going to help us, that if you'll do these five simple things, you can help keep prayer at the forefront of your lives. You can keep this priority of prayer. And so the first thing seems really, really simple Continue to make prayer a priority. You have to choose that. You have to do that. If we're going to keep this culture of prayer, you've got to do it. You need to make sure that it's first. Because God, by his very nature, we talked about this in week one, is first. He doesn't take second fiddle for anything. He is first on every single list. Now, he may not be first on your list, but that's because that's you placed him somewhere else. But if we're going to honor God... And prayer is going to be a priority. It is going to be that we pray first. We pray first at the beginning of our day, right? That we give the first few minutes to God. And morning prayer is an important thing. It's really, really important. In fact, you'll find morning prayer all throughout your Bible. In fact, if you go to the Old Testament, the first half of your Bible, David said this in Psalm 5, verse 3. He said, in the morning, Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my request before you and wait expectantly. That morning time was an important time 
for prayer. Why? Because it's first. It's first. It's turning our attention towards our Heavenly Father. Morning prayer is first, but watch this. The New Testament takes it to another level, as is often the case. In 1 Thessalonians, Paul says this in chapter 5, pray continually. Pray continually. Other translations say pray without ceasing. When you think about that and try to wrap your head around praying without ceasing, you're like, Aaron, I would never do anything else. Anybody ever thought that before when you read that verse? How do I pray without ceasing? Because I'm just supposed to constantly talk to God? What am I supposed to say? I run out of things to say in five minutes. Right? How are we supposed to pray without ceasing? But if we look at it through that context, that makes sense why we couldn't do that. There's no way we could actually live our lives, raise children, go to work, have relationships, have a good marriage, if all we're doing is talking to God nonstop. So that must not be what it means. Well, what does it mean? It means to have an all-day, ongoing conversation with God doesn't mean that you don't ever stop talking to him. I could even stand up here and preach if that was the case. No, what it means is more of a relationship like my wife and I have. When I wake up in the morning, I look to my left. She's the first person that I see, and then I say good morning to. Now, I don't do a whole lot of talking in the morning, so don't get the wrong idea. (laughs) I am a chatterbox, and I can talk a lot, but in the mornings, ain't your time. It's just not. I will grumble. I don't want to be rude. Boss, I don't want to talk. I want to get my coffee. I want to get into my prayer spot, and I want to, I want to talk to the Lord. But I even need a few minutes to warm up to talk to him because I'm just not there first thing in the morning. Anybody relate? Yeah, okay. Just not, never been a morning person. But I wake up in the morning, and I see my wife. Good morning. Love you. And then I'll, before I take off for work, I give her a hug and a kiss, and we might talk in between while I'm getting ready for work. And then I get to work and I'll send a text message throughout the day. Hey, just thinking about you. What are you doing? Get on lunch. Hey, what are you doing? How's your day going? About middle of the day. Hey, what are you thinking for dinner? Texting her. Maybe I'll even FaceTime her. I like to FaceTime. I do silly things on FaceTime. I do. When I'm headed home, I go, hey, Siri, tell mama I'm coming home. I've got this little thing that when I tell Siri that, she automatically sends a text message to my wife that says, on my way home, need me to stop and get anything. I'll call her on the way home. We get home. We spend time talking with each other over dinner. Maybe we're watching a show. We're laughing and poking and talking through that. And then before we go to sleep, I say, love you. Good night. Kisses. This is ongoing, all-day conversation. What if our relationship with God looked that way? What if it was we wake up in the morning Before our feet hit the floor, God, thank you for the breath that's in my body. Thank you for the bed that I get to lay in, the roof that's over my head. Thank you for another day to be with you. I appreciate it. Be with me today. Right? I heard a great prayer that was, God, today, I haven't cussed anybody out. I've been kind to my wife and kind to my kids. Done everything I'm supposed to. But, God, I'm getting ready to get out of bed this morning, and I'm going to need your help with the rest of the day. (laughs) <laughs> but it's, what if we talk to God first? What if, what if then, then after we talk to him, we got into our first 15 with him, right? We spend that first five minutes in prayer, five, five minutes in worship, five minutes in his word, 
and then we head on to work. Some of you like to talk to God while you're in your car. Some of you like to talk to him about the traffic. Some of you want to introduce people in traffic to him. (laughs) Some of you guys, before you go into a meeting, Lord, I'm going to need your help. I need some wisdom. This is going to be a tough conversation. Some of you coming out of that meeting, Lord, I'm going to need some patience. I'm going to need some help. I'm going to need some guidance. I'm going to need some strength. I got a decision to make about this, Lord. I don't know what I should do. What's your will? What would you have me do? It's just this constant, ongoing conversation with God. Like sending off little text messages to somebody. Just one sentence prayers. God, I need you right now. Hey, God, I'm feeling a little low. If you're somebody like me who struggles with depression, God, I'm feeling a little low. I I just need some encouragement right now. Just talking with him all throughout the day. And so my question to you is, what would you have to rearrange to make prayer the priority? What would you need to rearrange? Because there's something likely that will need to shift in your life in order for prayer to be a priority. In other words, for you to pray first in the morning, some of you need to go to bed earlier. Some of you, instead of using your phone as your alarm clock, need to get a $3 alarm clock from Walmart. The problem with your phone being your alarm clock for some of you is your phone is in your hand to turn it off, and the next thing you do, instead of getting up out of bed and spending time with the Lord or doing anything that you're supposed to be doing, your finger turns into the thing that owns and dominates the next hour as you scroll through your social media because you got a bunch of notifications. Or because your crack addict mind just went to a place where you got to TikTok just a little bit before I get out of bed. (laughs) You think I don't know it's a problem? It's a problem. Some of you need to make a shift. Some of you need to have boundaries with family members. I had had to put a boundary out with my wife years ago. She was working third shift, and she would be coming home about 6.30 in the morning. And that's about the time I would get up before the kids did, and I would spend time with Jesus. And she's calling me during this time. And I'm like, babe, this is my time I spend with Jesus. Now, if you really need to talk to me at this moment, understand what you're asking for me to do. Do you like me better with Jesus or without? (laughs) She said, with Jesus. I definitely like you better with Jesus, so I'm going to go ahead and leave you alone. Some of you need to put a boundary out. Say, hey, when I'm I'm in my space, when I'm in my zone, unless there's an emergency, uh uh-uh. What shift are you going to have to make? Some of you, not only are you going to have to go to bed earlier, you're going to have to get up earlier. (laughs) Oh, This is how we make prayer a priority. What shift are you going to have to make to make priority, a a prayer a priority in your day? Second thing we can do is find a dedicated place to pray. This may seem oversimplified, but I'm just promising you it makes a difference. Find a a place, a dedicated place to pray. Now, you can pray anywhere, okay? Let's be clear. You can absolutely pray anywhere you want to, but there's something about creating an environment that is conducive to your time of prayer. It's about removing distractions. It's about, uh, maybe it's for you, it's about having a quiet place. Maybe for you, it's about a place where you can actually sense the presence of God. For a lot of you, that means outdoors. Uh, But find a dedicated place to pray. For, for a while, I used to pray in our closet because it was completely dark and I was like sensory deprivated in there so that way I could be focused and, and have a time of prayer. But then I couldn't read my notes 
uh, in my, or my Bible. So I, I didn't stick with that long, but if, if that works for you, that's fine. Get into a prayer closet or into a room that is good for you. Or, or maybe it's, it's some of you guys like to pray in your car because you don't have a, a place that's quiet in your house. You got a bunch of kids running around and there's just no place that you can pray. And so you get in your car on your way to work or wherever you're headed and that's your place to pray. Or some of you have walking paths around your house that you like to go pray at. Or some of you pray at your office at work because that is your spot. But you've got a spot. Whatever works for you is what works for you. Jesus had a place to pray. He had a place. He would go up very early in the morning, Mark says in chapter 1, verse 35, very early in the morning. Very early in the morning. While it was still dark. Yuck. Yuck. Jesus got up and left the house and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. One of Jesus' favorite spots is a place called the Mount of Olives. When he was near Jerusalem, which, by the way, is on the east side of old Jerusalem. I've been there. I've stood on the top of the Mount of Olives. The Mount of Olives is where he would go to pray. By the way, the Mount of Olives is also when Jesus finished his earthly ministry after he had raised from the dead, spent 40 days here with his disciples. He ascended into heaven from the Mount of Olives. And the Bible says that when he comes back, he will descend at the Mount of Olives too. Which, by the way, is why a lot of people want to be buried there is because they believe that they'll be the first to rise whenever Jesus comes back. So they pay $50,000 for a little plot, just a little box on the side of the Mount of Olives. <laughs> it's crazy, crazy. But Jesus went there to the Mount of Olives, and you'll know one of the places that he liked to go is the Garden of Gethsemane because it's at the bottom of that mount. And Jesus, that's where Jesus prayed, Lord, not your will, but mine be done on the night before he was crucified. Jesus went there often to pray. This was a place where he could connect with God. It was also important with, for Jesus there because at the Garden of Gethsemane, you can see over the city. And Jesus would pray there, and the Bible tells us that Jesus would look over the city and that he would weep and he would pray for the people that he loved. He found a place to pray, and it was important to him. You want to see that spot? You can go with me next year. I'm leading a team there, June 4th through the 13th. More information is coming, I promise. But Jesus would go there and pray at the Mount of Olives. So what place would be most conducive for you to pray effectively? What place would work for you? Is it a physical place? Are we talking about a room? Are we talking about a, you need to be in a garden? You need to be outdoors? Is there a chair that you would prefer? Is it environmentally a thing? So we're talking about lighting or we're talking about the sounds that you might hear. Do you want music and music with singing or just instrumental? What does that space look like to you? Or is it an accountability thing? Some of you, in order to have a place to pray, a dedicated place to pray, you need somebody alongside with you. Not that you're going to pray together, but you just need to know that somebody else is praying with you at a place. And so maybe that's, you go, hey, you know what? I need, I need some time to pray. Come join me on Sunday morning from 9 to 9.30. We're going to pray back here in the room. And then every day, let's text each other that we're awake at a certain time and let each other know, hey, we're praying today. What does that space look like? What does your dedicated place of prayer look like? Mine, mine is, is the sunroom because I like looking at outdoors, but I want to be indoors. You know what I'm saying? Anybody relate? I'm good with that. I don't like the heat and the weather. I just don't like weather. I like cool and I like comfortable. 
because I don't know if you know this about me, but I'm a sweater. That doesn't mean I'm furry. It means that I sweat easy. And so I don't like it. And I like to sit on a comfy couch and I go out to the sunroom every morning. My Bible is there and my prayer list is there. And, and I can close the doors and close the blinds. And I got a puppy cuddled up on the couch next. That's my place. That's my space. It's where I connect with God on a daily basis. What does your space look like? You need to have a dedicated place of prayer. Third thing is have a plan for prayer. We've been talking about this the last couple of weeks. Have a plan for prayer. Use our Pray First guide. Get the app if you need to. But have a plan for prayer. In fact, I used the app this week. I loved it. It was great to have, have somebody or have this thing guide me through my time of prayer instead of leading myself. It felt great. I didn't have to think about what's next. I just followed that plan. But you can do the same thing. Have a plan for prayer. Jesus taught his disciples a plan for prayer. In Luke 11, it says, once Jesus was in a certain place praying, okay? As he finishes, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray. They're asking Jesus to teach them to pray because there was something different about the way that he prayed versus all the other rabbis that they had ever encountered. They're like, teach us how to pray. Teach us how to pray just like John taught his disciples. And Jesus said, this is how you should pray. He didn't say pray these words. He said, this is how you should pray. Here's the manner in which you should do it. That's what the King James Version says. After this manner, pray. And I know we've talked about this the last couple weeks, but what's keeping you? What's keeping you from looking at one of the prayer plans and giving it a go? What's keeping you from trying it out? We've got a priority of prayer. We've got a place for prayer, but we need a plan for prayer. So what plan makes prayer easy, interesting, and effective for you? And you get to answer that on your own. That's not something I can answer for you. You need to explore. You need to try them out. This is most likely a taste and see invitation, just like most spiritual things are. Taste and see. Which one's good for you? All of it's going to be good, but which one is good for you? Which prayer model makes it a time so that as you pray, as you spend time with the Lord, that you enjoy it? Which one? Try them all. Change it up. The one that keeps you engaged is the right one. The one that keeps you coming back is the right one. Because here's what I know. If you don't like praying, you won't pray. If you don't enjoy it, then you absolutely won't. So get a plan and be ready to know or ready to go, ready to pray, knowing what it is you'll enjoy. Number four, simple things. This is how we keep this this culture of prayer that we've established is pray with energy and power. What, am I, what do I mean? You know what? You ever heard what you put into it is what you get out of it? Yeah, it's the same with prayer. That if you're going to show up half-cocked and exhausted and not really give anything to it, like, well, Jesus, I'm here. Anybody ever have your meditation turn into your meditation? That's that's where you're thinking on the word, and then you not thinking about anything anymore, just asleep. Happened one time during a prayer service. That's right. Hilarious. <laughs> I said, well, if that's what you needed was to fall asleep in the presence of the Lord, then okay, God bless you. For those of you listening at home, that's our executive pastor that I'm picking on right now. <laughs> but, but, but prayer doesn't have to be this quiet, soft thing that we do. It doesn't have to be this, this 
Well, shh, 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 shh. We're praying, talking to Jesus. <laughs> That's not what it's about at all. Praying with energy and power requires you to give something to it. For me, when I pray, I like to walk. I like to pace. I don't know if you can tell that about me or not, but when, if you've ever seen me back in the prayer room, I, I pace. I like to move about the cabin. I do. And, and, I, and I, I like to walk, and I like to talk to God, and I pray out loud. Prayer isn't some pray in your head, well, Jesus knows my heart, so I'm just going to pray in my heart. No. Prayer doesn't have to be loud and shouting, but it can be. But prayer, prayer should be verbal. You should be talking to God. We serve a God who speaks. In fact, this whole world started spinning because in the beginning, God said. That's our pattern. And he wants us to speak to him. And some of you, that's a challenge for you to pray, to give that kind of energy to it. Like, I don't know. That's a little uncomfortable for me. I get it. But your prayer you get out of it what you put into it. So put some energy into it. Pray with power. What does that look like? Well, let me tell you something. The most powerful and most energetic scene I have ever seen was a football game at the horseshoe for the Buckeyes. I'm, I'm going to tell you something. Over 100,000 fans shouting, celebrating, praising, encouraging their team. Ha! Huh. The energy was palpable. In fact, it, it, has, it creates a culture that transcends that place. Let me prove it to you. O-H. Oh, look at that energy. Yeah, go blue right back here, and then go that way, and then out the front doors, and then right into traffic. I'm kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Pray first. Pray first. It's a good call. Good call. Go blue. Get out of here with go blue. But that's some energy, and you brought it. Why can't we bring that to our time of prayer? We can. We absolutely can. We can do it. And I'm telling you, being in that, uh, that arena when people are screaming and shouting, the place literally shakes. And let me tell you something. Do you know what shakes when we begin to pray with energy and power? Let me tell you something. It's the gates of hell. If you want to see something shake, bring some energy. Bring some power to your time of prayer. Give something to it. James 5.16 says, The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. You say, well, I'm not, I'm not very righteous. No, you're not. But Jesus is. And when we are in Christ, we are in his righteousness. That's why you can pray. But that word, those two words there, effective and fervent, are two words translated from one because our Bible's written in Hebrew and Greek mainly. And that Greek word is energeo, excuse me. And it is where we get our word energy. But it's translated effective and fervent. So that means that the more energy you put into prayer, the more effective it will be. 
And that may feel counterintuitive to what you've been taught because prayer is somber. Prayer is holy. It's quiet. It's supposed to be with folded hands in between you and God alone. And no, no, just not true. Prayer is to be energizing and powerful. So give your energy to it. Go all in. Give God your first and give him your best. So my question to you is, what hurdle will you have to overcome to make prayer a powerful experience? For some of you, it's fear. Fear of praying out loud. Fear of talking to God and stumbling to get it wrong. Because you're just, well, I don't want to get it wrong. Do you know what? You're not going to get it wrong. Just talk to God. Some of you are going to have to deal with some bad theology that you've got. Some of you are going to have to get over the fact, well, I'm just shy. I just, some of you are going to have to get over the excuse of, I've never done that before. Listen, there's lots of things you've never done that when you did them, you were like, that was pretty great, and I'm going to do it again. Everything you've ever done in your life, you did for the first time at least once. <laughs> some of you are going to have to overcome some, some hurdles. You don't have to, 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 to be in competition with the person sitting next to you. This is you versus you. Where are you at in your spiritual journey? Where are you at with prayer? Just take your next step. What are the hurdles you're going to have to overcome? Overcome this one, and then when you get to the next one, overcome that one. Just keep taking steps. Keep at it. It's like all things spiritual, especially worship. You guys know worship? Worship is one of those things. Worship is just expressing love to God. And don't get upset at me about what I'm getting ready to tell you. But, you know, there are these things called the love languages, the five love languages, right? And it's the way we all like to be loved and the way that we give love. Well, God has a love language, too. And he describes it in Scripture. He says, these are the ways that I want you to love him. Yes, he wants you to tell him, offering him the fruit of your lips. Tell him, I love you. Praise him. But he also wants you to sing about how much you love him. He also wants you to clap your hands. He wants you to shout. Man, I'm going to tell you, a properly placed hallelujah, hallelujah is freeing. Hallelujah is a word that means the highest praise. There ain't no praise higher than that. And we may not understand that because we're not Jewish people and understand this Jewish word, but I'm telling you, it means he receives the highest praise and shouting a hallelujah is freeing. Some of you are scared to do it. Some of you are scared to, 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 to sing along with the songs or, 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 you know, God even encourages us to, to love him with instruments. He encourages us to love him with raised hands. And some of you are just scared to do that. You're like, hands in the pockets. I'm not going to do that. Listen, I'm not asking you to go full touchdown. I'm just asking you to carry the baby a little bit. You know what I mean? <laughs> carry the baby. Carry the TV. Or if it's a big screen. Just, just do something. The, the, this is the way God says he wants to be loved. Or even dancing. Now, I'm not trying to make it weird, and I'm not telling you to come up in the front and dance in front of everybody. I don't dance. I'm not a dancer. My wife only allows me to dance right here. This is where I live. Because it's embarrassing otherwise. So you'll see me on the front row. Sometimes I got the wiggles going on, and I just, I just want to break out a little bit and dance because... When the Spirit of the Lord moves in my heart, I will dance like David danced. Sometimes you just can't help it. Some of you need to adopt a culture of celebration and understand that's what worship is. 
In the same way, they are celebrating those boys on that field running a pigskin up and down, who, by the way, have never done a thing for you. In the same way we are celebrating them, we ought to be celebrating our God. Hmm. I'm just preaching here, that's all. Some of you just got to get free. You just need to get free and enjoy loving the Lord and get free and enjoy praying with energy and with power. Overcome your excuses. Take the next step. Well, I've never prayed out loud. Try it. I've never prayed with someone. Try it. I've never talked to God by myself. Try it. What do you have to lose? Because you have everything to gain. So let's have energetic, powerful times of prayer. And the fifth thing, man, relate to the persons of prayer. Relate to the persons. That's a capital P because there are three persons that we need to relate to. There's this thing called the Godhead. And a word that is not in your Bible, but a word we use to describe the Godhead. It's the word Trinity. It's because of the triune, the three-part nature of God. That, that we have our Heavenly Father. And then we have God the Son. We have Jesus. And then we have God the Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit. And they have different functions, different roles in our lives. And we can relate to each and every single one of them in prayer. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14. This is the message paraphrase. It says, the, the, watch how he lists this. The amazing grace of the Master Jesus Christ. That's one. The extravagant love of God, that's the Father, that's two. And the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit be with all of you. Now, that's not only all three, but that's also all three in the proper order. It starts with Jesus, because like Jesus said, nobody gets to the Father, that's number two in the list, except through me. That we don't even get to have access to God the way that we ought unless we come to him through Jesus See, our relationship with God isn't about knowing stuff about him. It's about who we know that gets us into the presence of God. You guys know that to be true. It's not about what you know. It's who you know oftentimes. And for us to be in relationship with God, we do that through Jesus. And that's why we focus on the cross of Christ. We focus on the cross of Jesus. Jesus paid for our sins. He made it so that we could be spiritually adopted into this family to become children of God. And we can thank him for his obedient sacrifice for us. And we focus on submission to the Father. Man, God's got a will. He's got a plan for your life. And we need to submit to that. And the reason we can submit to that and focus on that relationship through submission is because he's trustworthy. Because he's good. Because he is for us, not against us. He is with us. And we can submit to him. We can ask him, Lord, have your will. Let your will be done. Let your kingdom come, like Jesus prayed. Do what you want to with my life. And then we can focus on communion with the Holy Spirit. You know what communion is? Just all-day fellowship. It's not, it's not the, the thing we've institutionalized where we take the bread and the cup and drink and eat together. Yes, that's what we call that. But communion all day long is just communication. You have this communion all day. With the Holy Spirit, because he dwells inside of you. The word translated for the Holy Spirit is this word paraclete. It means somebody who comes alongside you. 
And he has very specific reasons to come alongside you. Yet he dwells inside you. He's there to give you guidance, to give you wisdom, to give you counsel, to convict you, to empower you, to give you gifts, to produce the fruit of the Spirit in you. The Holy Spirit is active. And he wants to talk to you on a regular basis. You can commune with him all day long. So acknowledge the person's in prayer. You can acknowledge them as you pray. And so this is it. Those are the five simple things that we can do to keep this culture of prayer. But I want to wrap up today's message, not at this point. I want to share something with you, and I want to share it because I, I want you to know how I pray for you. Just kind of pull back the curtain a little bit. And the way that I pray for you is a prayer that I learned early on, even before I got into ministry was because I didn't know how to pray as I ought, and the Lord led me to just start looking up all kinds of prayers as I found them in the Bible, and to write them out, and then to practice writing them in my own words, and figuring out how to pray for you. And, and the most impactful one were prayers of Paul. Paul was, he's called the Apostle Paul, but the Apostle, that word Apostle just means special messenger. It really, if we were to talk about it in today's language, means church planter. He was, the, he was an entrepreneur, and he would go start new works in new cities, and he would raise up leaders and teach them sound doctrine and theology, and then he would release them to do ministry, and he would go and start it all over again, and he would spend years in different places doing that. And Paul gave me the pattern for how I regularly pray for you because it was a way that he regularly prayed for his churches. And in fact, it comes from... Uh, the, the church, the, a letter that he wrote to the church at Ephesus. It's Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17 through 18. And he says, I keep asking. In other words, this is something he continues to pray over and over again for them. He says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. And this is something I pray for you. Why? The spirit of wisdom and revelation just means that you get it. I want you to get it. I want you to get what this is all about, that it's simple, that it's not overly complicated, that, that religion and church tradition has made it overly complicated, has put all these barriers in front of you to getting to God, and you just simply don't need them. I want you to understand it, not just in your head, but in your heart. And so I pray that you get a spirit of wisdom and revelation so you can embrace what God has for you. And it goes on. He says, so I'm praying for that so that you may know him better. There's a purpose for you having this spirit of wisdom and revelation. I want you to know God. And that word know there that Paul uses is the Hebrew word genosko. And it comes from the inspired word in Hebrew, yada. Yada is the word that was used to say when Adam knew his wife, and she conceived a son. Adam yadad her. He knew her intimately. He knew her in a way that only he knew her. And as a result of knowing her on a deeper and intimate level, they conceived a child. And so this word gnosko comes from that word, yada. God wants you to know him intimately. You say, Aaron, does that mean what Adam did? No, that's not what it means. To be unclear is to be unkind. I've literally heard people in a church service saying, we make love to you, Jesus. We make love to you, Jesus. I was like, that is weird, and I'm out. Nope. <laughs> nope. It's not a place that I want to be. It's weird. It's just weird. 
God wants you to know him intimately. He wants you to know him deeply like a friend. The Bible talks about his relationship with Moses, and it says he spoke to him face-to-face as a friend. This is the kind of relationship God wants you to have with him. You see, yeah, but he's God. Yeah, but that's still what he wants. Yes, he's God, but he wants you to know him deeply. Paul continues, and he says, and I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. Why is Paul praying this? He's praying this because we don't see the world or ourselves, our relationships, through the eyes in our head. We see everything in our life through the eyes of our hearts. And unfortunately for a lot of us, that comes with some baggage. That comes with some trauma, with some pain, some disappointments, some hurts, some betrayals. And unfortunately, the way we see ourselves and the way that we see others, the way that we even see God is tainted. And Paul's saying, I'm hoping, I'm praying that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened, flooded with God's light so that you can see yourself properly, so that you can see others properly, you can see him properly. What Paul is talking about here is is taking what was in your past and changing the nature of your relationship with it. You cannot change the past, but you can see it different. You can see God's faithfulness through all those things that were difficult. You can see that Whatever you faced then, you lived through every single one of those difficult times. And that there was something beyond you that kept you and that brought you through each one of those things. So you can't change the past. You can change your relationship with him. Paul's saying, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. He says, in order, so there's a reason for it, in order that you may know the hope to which he's called you. Some of you are here today and you don't have any hope. That's because you don't know why you're here. You think you were a mistake. Maybe your parents even told you that you were a mistake. That, that you'll never amount to anything. There's a label that's been put on you. There's been a story that's been told about your life. That you'll never be any more than you've ever been. That because of the mistakes you've made, you are now relegated to this life, and this is all you're ever going to have. You're never going to know God. You're never going to belong to a church community. You're never going to have influence there. You're never going to make a difference. And I know far too many people whose stories don't align with that narrative. Because the truth is, is that God has a plan and a purpose for your life, and it does not matter what you've done. He will redeem it and use it for your good and his glory. Paul says, you've all got a calling. And so if you find yourself hopeless today, understand that's what's missing. Why am I here? There's a reason that you're here. And and Paul goes on to talk about it. But he's letting them know, like, hey, there's a hope for you, but you can never see that hope until you deal with the things from yesterday, until that you have the eyes of your heart enlightened. And Paul's saying, this hope that you have, this is the happiest you're ever going to be. You want to experience the full and fulfilled life? Get connected to your calling. Find out why you're here. And then he goes on to tell them that they can embrace what God ultimately has for them, which is the riches of his, inglorious, of his glorious inheritance. And where is it? It's in people. It's that what you are called to is a life of transcendence. It's a life where you live beyond yourself, that you begin to live your life to make a difference, leveraging all that you have to make a difference in the lives of others. 
That's what it's all about. It's the highest level of living. When you discover that it's just not about you. It's not about you. So because of Paul's prayer, because of that prayer right there in Ephesians, I pray four things specifically for you, and I pray these things constantly for you. And I'm going to go through them quickly. First is I pray that you may know God intimately. I pray that you know him that way. Not, not that you know about him, but that you know him, because it's important. Jesus said this in Matthew 7, verse 21 and verse 23. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. He said, there's, there's going to be some people that, that call themselves Christians, but they don't know me. And he says, as a result, I'll tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. There's going to be people that go to church every Sunday. There's going to be people that read their Bibles and know a whole lot about God, but they don't know him personally. And there's a day that's coming. Jesus said, if you don't know me, peace. See you later. So I pray that you know God intimately, and I pray that you experience real freedom over the issues that hold you back from God's best. I do. I pray that for you. Best environment for you to do this and experience this is grow groups. They're launching in a couple weeks, and we've got the grow group expo today. Grow groups are what transformed my life. Listen to me. If you value anything that I could possibly give you, it's this. Take the step. I know it's awkward. I know it's uncomfortable. I know you don't know anybody. Get in a group. Get in a group. It's where we learn how to follow Jesus better together. Our lives become transformed and we get to settle some of the stuff from yesterday. Because you get in a group and you start sharing what you've gone through and you find out somebody else in the group goes, me too. Get in a group. We are wounded in relationship, and we are healed in relationship. James 5.16 tells us that. Therefore, confess your sins. Other translations say your faults. So it's anywhere in your life that is shaking. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so you may be healed. You want that area in your life healed? It's time to start talking to somebody. You don't have to tell everybody, but you got to tell somebody. Get in a group. And I pray that you can see God's perfect plan for your life. This is the third thing I pray for you. We call this around here, discover purpose. I want you to know why you're here. The greatest day in your life is the day that you were born. The second greatest day is the day you find out why. I want you to know that. Understanding why you're here because you are on, you're here on purpose with purpose. You are not a mistake. Paul told everybody in Romans 12, 6, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. All of you are wired different than I am. All of you have different giftings. And we're all supposed to join together as a body to make a difference. And you got to discover what that is. And the last thing I pray for you regularly is I pray that you would find your place on a team so you make a difference and experience real life. You know, Jesus did this. He brought his disciples together into a group as a team to serve others. He sent out his disciples two by two. And then after he had discipled an even larger group, he sent out 72 of them, two by two. They went out to serve. They went out to make a difference. Because as a team, you begin working together. You begin figuring out the rhythms. You're creative together. You create solutions together. You do all kinds of beautiful things better together. Together. Jesus, talking to his disciples, he says, in John 15, this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. In other words, he said, hey, there's a purpose to your life. And it's impacting others. And the reason that your life is to impact others is so that they look to your God. He goes on in verse 11. He said, I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. In other words, if you're not living out 
this commission, this calling, you're never going to know what a full and fulfilled life looks like. That God has a level of joy you just don't get to experience unless you get on board for what he has for you. And that's being on a team with a group of people making a difference. There's great joy living out your purpose. And then in verse 16, he said, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last. That's how we know that the work that we are called to is people because the only thing that makes it into, into eternity and into heaven is people. Your stuff won't, your degrees won't, your cars won't, your house won't. None of it makes it there. But the people sitting next to you do. And this is our great calling. This is what it's all about. And this is my prayer for you. So let's pray. Father, today, I do, I pray this prayer. I pray, God, that everyone in this room would know you, know you intimately, know you deeply, that they would know you as a friend. No matter what the world has said about who you are, you are not a guy in a white robe with a long white beard sitting in the clouds on a white throne with a lightning bolt ready to zap us. It's just not who you are. You want to be our friend. You want to share your plans with us. Your word tells me so. And so I'm praying everybody in this room would know you intimately. I also pray, God, that everybody in this room would experience the real freedom from the, the pains and the issues that have kept them from experiencing your best in their lives. I pray for hearts to be healed, marriages to be healed, relationships to be healed. I pray for minds to be healed. I pray for labels that have been vile, and poisonous to our hearts and our lives to be stripped from us in your presence. I pray that we would know our value and our worth, and not because it's intrinsic within us or because of ourselves, but because of how you see us and how you value us and the worth you have assigned to us because you so loved the world, you sent your only son to die. That whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And Lord, I know that that also means a better life here on this earth. I also pray, God, that each and every single one of them can see your perfect plan for their lives, that they would discover their purpose, that they would understand why they are here and would connect with that and begin living that out. I also pray, God, that as they do, they would find their place on a team. They would find themselves in a group of people that are making a difference. And Father, I pray that their joy would be complete because they are living out your purpose for them. This is what I pray for them. And I'm asking you to do this work, Lord. In Jesus' name. As we stay in this moment of prayer, there are those of you that you just need to begin this journey. Others of you, you began this journey some time ago and you've walked away from it. Christians, I'm asking you to be praying right now because this is a moment decisions will be made. Pray for the person, the people sitting around you. Because this is that moment where you decide, I need a relationship with God. I'm here to tell you it doesn't matter what you did last night. God already knows and he's not mad at you. He loves you. His grace is greater. His mercy, even if you thought you could exhaust his mercies, his mercies are new every morning. His inexhaustible supply restarts. God loves you. 
and he wants to be in relationship with you. And if you're ready to be in relationship with him, we do that by placing our faith in his son, Jesus, by trusting him that what he did, his sacrifice is enough, that his sacrifice is what, what washes our sins away, makes us clean and right before our loving father. If you're ready to begin that relationship, I'm gonna pray a prayer. If you'll join me, you'll begin that journey. So if you're gonna do that today, would you just let me know that, hey, Aaron, I'm gonna jump in. I'm gonna jump in on a relationship with Jesus. I'm gonna begin today, or maybe for some of you that are coming back, if that's you, would you just slip your hand up? Nobody's looking around. Thank you, thank you, I see your hand. Thank you, thank you, yes, thank you, thank you. Thank you, you can put your hands down now, thank you. Church, there are people making decisions today. We're gonna celebrate that in a moment. We got some business to do. Let's all pray together. Everybody praying out loud. Say, Jesus, I need you. Forgive me of my sins and make me brand new. Thank you for your love. Fill me with your spirit and show me how to live for you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Man, if you prayed that prayer today, the Bible says that heaven, heaven is having a party. Simple Church, celebrate with those who said yes to Jesus today. Come on. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode. We hope it has given you hope and helped you know God a little bit more. The goal of this podcast is to reach beyond our walls and connect with people far from God. If you'd like to join us in doing that, there are several ways for you to get involved. First, you can pray for us as a church. Prayer is our first response and our greatest resource. Pray for opportunities that we can boldly step into, make a difference in our community and around the world as we proclaim the good news of Jesus. Second, share this episode on your social media accounts and directly with your friends. It's easy to do through whatever platform you're currently using to listen to this message. Just click share and follow the prompts. Finally, you can support the mission through your generosity. The best part about this is that it's also an act of worship where you express the priority of your love for God and others through your finances. Links to give are in the show notes or simply visit www.mysimple.church giving. We are so thankful you joined us today. and hope you'll consider joining the mission of our church in some way. Thank you again, and we'll see you at next week's episode.